Welcome to Season 5 of the Leadership Educator Podcast, your source for knowledge and expertise in facilitating leadership education, training, and development. Interested in keeping up with the latest conversations across the leadership discipline? Want to add more to your resource toolbox with practical strategies for teaching, learning, and program design without changing your routine? This is the podcast for you. If you haven't done so already, please hit subscribe so you'll never miss an episode. Well, hello and welcome to the Leadership Educator Podcast. I'm Dan Jenkins, Chair and Associate Professor of Leadership and Organizational Studies at the University of Southern Maine. And I am Lauren Bullock, Assistant Professor of Instruction at Temple University, and we are both thrilled about today's episode of the podcast. This season, we're looking at leadership education from a global perspective. We've talked about leadership in prior seasons, both in the U.S. and outside, but this time around, we're intentionally featuring leadership educators from Europe, Africa, Australia, and Asia. Today, we are joined by Drs. Kelly Cirillo and Eric Homeland. Welcome to the show, Kelly and Eric. Hey, happy to be here. Thank you so much for having us. We're excited for the discussion today. Well, I'm excited too. So Kelly, you and I go way back about five years ago. It feels so funny to tell this story, but we met on our first day of school in our doctorate program. We sat next to each other, not realizing how much we had in common. So we're both from the same state. We're about the same age. We worked in higher education and we teach leadership uh, classes. And so we instantly hit it off and have supported each other throughout our, our PhD career. Am I right, Kelly? Does that sound about right? Spot on. And it's it's funny. We always joke about the Jersey roots, right? The connection <laughs> to New Jersey always finds you somehow. So we kind of want to hide it, but it came out and it actually benefited us in the long run. So it was by chance that we met and it's been a great getting to to know you more and to be on this podcast. So yeah. Well, and so when we were doing the podcast and I thought about some of your work and, you know, sent a note saying, Hey, like, what do you think? And you're like, yeah, I'd love to come on the show with my partner, Eric, and talk about it. Um, I was really thrilled that you wanted to talk about, you know, some of the work you're doing around the world. And so while I know a little bit about you, I think Kelly, can you go first and just share a little bit about yourself with our listeners? And then Eric, maybe you can jump in and share a little bit about yourself with our listeners as well. I'd be happy to. So thank you again. So I'm Kelly Cereal. I'm a professor at, associate professor at Paul Smith College in upstate New York. So um, a lot of people know it because the Lake Placid and the Adirondacks is not far from there. So in addition to being a professor at Paul Smith, I'm also the co-chair for the Champlain Adirondack Biosphere Reserve, which is a UNESCO site um, that's a transboundary UNESCO site between uh, New York and Vermont. Um, and I'm also on the National Committee for the UNESCO US Biosphere Network. And so um, a lot of the conversation that we're gonna be having today about our study abroad curriculum um, involves UNESCO sites. So I just wanted to kind of give that framework um, and I'm gonna, I'll hand it over to Eric, but I just wanna say he's been um, a mentor and a leader throughout this process in terms of working with UNESCO sites, um, building the study abroad curriculum. He's been doing it far longer than I have. Um, and a fun fact, he actually is the one that introduced me to our Antioch PhD program. So he's also an Antioch PhD alum, and um, he's really innovative in his thinking in terms of approaching um, study abroad and also looking at um, how to partner and establish meaningful partnerships on the ground in foreign countries. So I'll turn it to Eric for his introduction. Thanks, Kelly. You really set me up well there. And we can go no further without, I want to acknowledge that Kelly has been a tremendous force for creative creative expansion at Paul Smith College for all of our programs as well. And, and really since 
she and I got together on this uh, the Italy program that you're going to hear a little bit later today. Um, uh, my my uh, sort of understanding of sort of global tourism and sustainable development has really uh, taken a huge leap upward. I'm originally from New York State. I've spent uh, just a small amount of time in New Jersey. Actually, I lived in Jersey City for three weeks in the 90s. But uh, the rest of the time has been in New York State and um, from the Adirondacks, which is a really important part of who I am. And actually, that's part of what we teach in our program, this, this idea of identity, uh, sort of identity, uh, connecting yourself to the landscape, understandings that, uh, that are shared about uh, the identity of particular landscapes like the Adirondack Park or like the Italian Apennines. So that's really been a focus of mine that's emerged over the years. I started, though, uh, with a degree in English and uh, went into outdoor education after that um, and into the world of wilderness leadership. So I, I trained leaders in terms of wilderness leadership for a number of years and was an outward bound professor as well or instructor as well. So my background really started uh, in environmental education and uh, sort of expedition leadership. So after my career in recreation sort of uh, uh, you know blossomed, uh, I guess in my in my 30s, I switched to environmental studies and back to my roots in the humanities. And so have been really looking at uh, something really important to me, which is narrative and narrative understandings of of place, narrative understandings of of conflict and uh, pathways through conflict. And I think that brings us full circle to where we are right now, which is focusing on bioregions and uh, the, the UNESCO Biosphere Program. Fascinating work. Really looking forward to, to digging in a little more and great to learn a little bit more about both of your backgrounds. So so, and whoever wants to, to jump in on this, you know, Kelly, Kelly or Eric. So um, I, I love not only that we're getting to talk to you about programs that you're doing abroad, both in you know Italy and in South Africa, and the the connection with, with UNESCO, but you're also working with with youth, and that is gosh, I'm trying to think if we've had any folks that have focused on youth programs um, in the in the episodes that that we've done, Lauren, and and I know that that is a, an area that is definitely. It's on the fringe, like it's 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 emerging. And and here here in Maine, we've had I've had quite a few students that have worked in extension education. And I know that a lot of leadership educators have come from extension programs, and a lot of those are are connected with agriculturally based, like you know FFA and 4H and what have you. But a lot of the leadership education actually came from you look at some of the literature from 50s, 60s, 70s, and a lot of that youth leadership development training was happening in some of those uh, spaces with extension extension education um, out of a lot of the land grant universities in the U.S. So I'm curious, you know, as you're, so you've, you've developed this program that focuses on, you know, biosphere and, you know, sustainability and service learning projects. What does this look like abroad and where do these students come from? Are the students coming from your university and then going abroad or are they student, are you connecting with youth there? Like, what does that look like? And what are the skills that you're focusing on as you think about this, in addition to having them learn more about their leadership identities? So to give a bit of background about our program, our program is, is long running. So I think that's one thing that makes it unique and special in terms of the collaboration. So it really started with Eric um, in 2014, taking a group of students. So it's about seven years old, um, taking students um, on a study abroad trip to Italy in 2014. So the way the program is structured, and I, I, I'll give you a bit of a background about our university and the profile of our students, because I think that's also what sets ours apart from other traditional uh, study abroad programs. So our college is very small. So it's typically about a thousand students, undergraduate enrollment. Um, and they're traditionally, um, it, they typically have a, a source of financial aid when they come in. So they, I think what we tried to do in developing this program 
was to make it financially accessible to as many students as we can and to specifically target interdisciplinary students. We didn't want it to just focus on one major. And so when Eric and I were looking at this, um, we, we made sure price was accessible. Um, the duration of the trip didn't prevent them from getting a job during the summer because a lot of them have to work over the summer in order to pay for school. Um, and uh, to make sure that the interdisciplinary team prevented group think, if you will. And so, um, it, and it really helped. And so we started out with a small group. The first group that Eric took was about four. And now we try to keep it just under 15. And so the nature of the program is we, we meet with, in order to keep the cost down, we have the, um, we run the pre-trip, uh, the class before we actually leave. So we, for instance, we run it in the spring semester. So we're, the next one we're doing in 2022, we'll run it from January to May, the in-person classes. And then we actually go in the field, like in country at the end of the, that's a culminating experience. And so we have all of that time to prep for the students in terms of understanding the culture, understanding what a UNESCO biosphere reserve is, understanding sustainable development, because some students don't have a background in that. And so we bring them up to speed um, and the entire semester. Um, and then in the culmination, I'll let you know, Eric kind of fill in the details about what the on the ground you know, trip actually looks like. But in terms of the accessibility, the other thing that's really interesting about our school, and I, I feel really um, grateful that our school offers this is that we also have um, uh, scholarships available to the students to apply for international study abroad experiences. So because ours is so unique and it's, it's a, um, we have a, it's a four credit course. So it's not a vacation, it's rigorous. And they're doing a lot of work all semester. Eric and I always advertise this that if you wanna go and you know, eat wonderful food and drink wine in Italy, that's one thing, but this is rigorous. You know, you're, you're, this, you're learning about real life on the ground community-based projects that look at um, some critical sustainable development issues. And so in any event, um, that's kind of the framework of what the course looks like, just in terms of the buildup, what the expectations are of the students. Um, and then, yeah, I'll, I'll, I'll turn it to Eric so he can tell about kind of the on the ground piece and some more background details. And I'll, I'll finish on some other things. Go for it, Eric. No, that's a great uh, introduction to it. And I think another really important part of what we're doing with these students, and you know, Kelly mentioned that our students um, often have some financial challenges at home. A lot of them uh, have never been on an airplane. And honestly, some of them, especially in the beginning, hadn't even been out of their part of the state. So, so we were very sensitive to the fact that we're teaching essentially a world as text kind of approach that, uh, that this kind of experience is accessible to them, is available to them, and that they can do it. It's not just something that other people do. But we have to really help coach them through all the anxiety that all of us go through, uh, the organization all of us go through before we travel abroad. You know, it, you, you pretty much have to have certain things uh, tidied up and together, your documentation and, and also your mindset. So what we do with this, um, you know, when we're planning the trip is that we realize that too much would be too much. So the trips are limited to about, you know, between two and three weeks. We find that that's a real perfect sweet spot. It's long enough for them to get away for the very first time. Uh, from uh, from their homes, and but yet not too long that it, that they they start to disengage. Toward the end, they get tired, of course. But uh, but we really have hit this this uh, this length for, uh, uh, position right in the middle. So as far as how it's organized, um, we try to have uh, two sections, and they could be in the same national park. But uh, over the years, 
the program has grown so other regions in Italy have expressed interest so we've we've developed um, partnerships with the Puglia region and now we're developing another region uh, under Kelly's uh, leadership in the Dolomites so we will we'll kind of chunk the, the trip up between those two uh, regions but then we also want to schedule a traditional typical mass tourism experience I mean for a lot of these students first time that they've ever been to Italy it might be the the last time that they ever go. So you really do want to make sure they get a chance to see some of the, uh, you know, the, the the stars of the Italian firmament, you know, some of the places that everyone's always heard about and dreamed of. And it's great to, to give them these experiences in mass tourism destinations like Florence or Venice or Rome. But, you know, it's, there's a pedagogical region, reason for it as well. They, these mass tourism regions serve as a, as a tremendous contrast, source of contrast to the kind of authentic experiences we're giving them in the mountains. And the last thing I want to say before I think Kelly can speak to this next point is these are not package tours. They're not get on the bus, get off, hear someone talk, and then get back on the bus. These are working courses that are fully and deeply and authentically embedded in the communities and in the issues that these communities are facing. So you want to exp expand on that, Kelly? Yeah, so and that's it's exactly what I was going to mention what Eric just said about it being so deeply connected to the community. That's really how Eric and I approach this. So now that you understand the logistics, the way that we choose the focus and design the course each semester changes based on the community. So we kind of work our way backwards. We work with the community members, the directors of these UNESCO biosphere reserves first to say, what are your needs? We use the UN's sustainable development goals um, as a framework and say, which of these are you in need of addressing or currently working on right now? And then we help design a project and a deliverable for them that's actionable. So Eric and I have been um, really uh, mindful about creating uh, actionable deliverables for them. We don't want it to just sit on the shelf somewhere, but how can this help your community and also be a meaning meaningful learning experience for the students? So once we have that in place, we work backwards and then build the trip and the experiences around that. And it changes. So it's challenging for us, but I, I think I can speak for Eric and I know it's you know true for me is that it's really, it's interesting for us because we're always learning too, right? So we learn right alongside with the students. And I think in terms of pedagogy and what's unique about this too is that it evens the playing field. The students are you know part of the design, part of the process, the solution to what they're developing for, to address these complex sustainable development issues. And I think, you know, we set that up for them and we empower them as much as we can in the classroom in, you know, in the Adirondacks before we leave for the trip. So that way, when they're on the ground, they feel like they have enough knowledge and enough, um, you know, uh, insight to provide some solutions. So to give you an example of what that can look like and what we've done in the past, one, I'm just thinking of one semester, Eric, I'm sure you have a ton more examples, but one of the semesters, we looked at the um, the impacts of climate change on winter sports tourism in or win, yeah winter winter uh, winter tourism in the Tuscan Emilian Apennine Biosphere Reserve in Italy, and so the students were, had to learn you know a lot of them didn't have a background in climate change, so we taught them you know kind of the basics of what that looks like, how that can impact. Um, winter tourism destinations and, and regions all over the world. And in our own region, we use our own region, like Eric had said, um, you know, we use that as, a, as a, um, a comparison, right? So they know where they live and they know how that, you know, how climate change affects our region. And so then we have them use that as a study to compare it to what we're doing in Italy. So 
Um, and what was interesting, so on the ground, once we're there, we take them and they meet with community stakeholders to do interviews and participant observation about some ideas to if, for instance, the, you know, um, a ski slope um, can has to close two or three weeks early because they don't have enough snow right now. Um, what are some other revenue sources that they can potentially use to supplement the loss of income? And so the students came up with some really innovative ideas around food tourism, because that area is known for incredible food products. So throw out some Parma ham, throw out some Parmesan Reggiano to, you know, to have a food tasting at that location to supplement some costs. And so, and this, that's one very small example. There was a lot more to the project, um, but what, so the students would do the interviews, participant observation, and then design um, some solutions to present to the directors of the biosphere reserve. So in terms of, um, you know, building skill sets from this and encouraging leadership back to Dan's original question about leadership, they own this, right? So after they've done the research, you know, on the, in uh, the Adirondacks at our school, and then by the time they get there, they're presenting these ideas um, from, a, from a young leader perspective, leadership perspective. They're not just doing this kind of as a, you know, I'm, I'm safely sitting in my classroom, this sounds good in a conversation, but you're presenting it to the director of a UNESCO site. And as an undergraduate student, I think that's a pretty significant resume builder. And so um, that's something Eric and I have also built in after the class. Um, we usually send students bullet points like this is how to add this to your resume like consider putting it under this section because you know we see this as not only um, a chance to develop their leadership capacity but also you know in in so many other ways you know to build build personal and professional character and then eventually what does this look like and how can this be translated you know to future careers eventually because again it's a huge investment financially for them. So we want to make sure that it's kind of, you know, not only just an incredible transformative, you know, learning experience, but they can actually use this in the future somehow. So Eric, I'll, I'll turn it back to you. Wait, before you turn it back over, I just want to jump in and say, y'all are, that sounds like an incredible program. And it sounds like in four credits, you've, you've summed up what people outside of higher education expect from higher education, meaning that that deep learning. So you're teaching citizenship in multiple countries or involvement and engagement in multiple countries. You're talking about current events that people are interested across the world. Um, you're, you're teaching them research techniques, um, introducing them to universal sustainability practices. And then you're adding this element of, and here's how to talk about and, and kind of sell yourself knowing that you've had this meaningful experience. It, it's, it's a shame that we can't like recreate this in more classes because I feel like this program over the long term has, has really um, you know, synthesized kind of everything people want out of higher education. And before you jump in and respond, I'm really just curious about like what resources did you use to create this curriculum? So on the back end, it sounds good, but like, what were you reading or watching or kind of where did this come from? So it's a great question. I'm laughing because um, a lot of it was trial and error. So a lot of it came from, I had, you know, done research before we went on the first trip about, you know, best practices. And in terms of literature, you know, I had looked at, at the time, the first time I was running the trip, I was just looking at study abroad focused on sustainable de development. At the time, there wasn't a whole heck of a lot published about that because the sustainable development goals were just being like turned into the actual SDGs in that, you know, that year. And so, in any event, it was, you know, a lot of what I learned was trial and error. And I had, again, looked at some, 
you know, basically like Google search of basic, you know, articles of study abroad. So Eric had, I relied a lot on his mentorship through this and I'll let him, you know, talk a bit more about this because he had taken students years prior to this, before we developed the Italy trip, you know, he'd taken students to Costa Rica and things. And I think had far more experience, like he said, with, you know, uh, wilderness leadership and that kind of thing. So I'll let Eric fill you in on the, um, on the literature side of it. But thank it's, I just want to say, it is very encouraging to hear and, um, you know, because it's, again, a lot of it, we've kind of tweaked it as we go. And I think that's a big part of what we're doing is consistently evaluating and assessing it afterwards. It's a, an enormous piece, not only including that for the student perspective and having them do reflective leadership practices as they're going and throughout the process, but for Eric and I to assess um, what we've done and how we can make this better in the future. And so I think um, it's it's just encouraging to hear that it's it sounds like a good model and then it's actually you know working. So thanks for that, Lauren. Eric, I'll turn it over to you. Yeah, you, you're making a great point, Kelly. That I think is a strength. Uh, it, it, the fact that this is an emerging experience and that it's that it's uh, almost by definition a messy one. Once you're there on the ground, you know we are. You know we've got the day set up, but then things fall apart. Things change. You know, different different people are available uh, that 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 you thought than you thought would be available. Uh, there's always the translation difficulty. And, and then toward the end, you know, those last three days or so where, where we're, we unplug from activities and we say we go back into classroom mode. So here they are in Italy in this in these incredible, beautiful mountainous uh, regions. And uh, we yank them right back to, uh, you know, a conference room and we uh, we say, OK, it's time to to digest, process, uh, distill and then reflect and present this to to the community uh, uh, kind of people we've been working with. So. You know, it's it's really, um, I think, uh, a real rigorous program in that respect. But your question about where it came from, and I, and I think, again, it's interdisciplinary sources. Um, yes, I, I initially led groups to many groups to Costa Rica, and we were looking at sustainable tourism, ecotourism, adventure travel. And we would do essentially interviews of the property owners and uh, just sort of come up with a best practice reflection for them. And some of it is essentially basic uh, social science methods that we learn in grad school that I learned in my master's, my PhD work that I brought, you know, I brought to bear, you know, how to how to interview folks and, and how to, you know, what to do with the information you get from that. How do you do basic coding? So some of it is social science methods 101. And then the beauty of that is uh, then when Kelly came on board, she brought her entire discipline of communication and uh, business, hospitality and tourism. Um, all of these uh, other dimensions that I didn't know much of anything about. So it's really a synthesis of, of various social science and management kind of disciplines together. Um, and of course, we we uh, this was legitimized for me. Uh, I learned about something in graduate school called grounded theory, uh, which allowed you to essentially immerse yourself into a landscape or into a situation and, and a setting and trust that you're going to find something meaningful there and uh, work to to uh, extract that meaning and refine your your questions as you go along to me that sounds incredibly chaotic but hey it's legitimized uh, as a method and uh, essentially that's what we've been doing for six years is sort of learning as we're going plugging into the the community continually checking in with them and which is itself very laborious you know we have many talks with these folks uh, year round uh, to make sure that what we're doing uh, is is relevant so I guess it's a blend of uh, of our disciplinary training and then our just sort of our life experiences. The last note, you know, I think is obvious. Ke uh, Kelly pointed out, you know, my background leading 
trips um, in the wilderness. This is a form of a wilderness. This is a new environment for these students. So all of the things that groups go through, you know, these uh, the stage of, of the honeymoon stage and then the, the first crisis and then uh, needing to talk through uh, um, issues of, of sort of shared resources and responsibility to each other. We're, we're camp counselors, too. And, and um, you know, so they're learning that. They're learning about how to get through something that they didn't think they could get through. Kelly, how many students have we had to talk down from, you know, from being really anxious, you know, really anxious, overwhelmed, you know, whatever. Uh, so all of those things. So anyway, it's been a wonderful opportunity. The last point I want to make is that I think the reason we're able to sort of blend all this together so well and draw students from bake the baking program, the, the, the culinary program, but also the parks and recreation program, natural resources program, fish and wildlife. You know, we've got scientists and 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 uh, and culinarians and hospitality people and recreation people on the same trip. We can only do that because we're we're a small school and this is not a departmental program. This is a college program. So I think that that's uh, a key to our success is that we're not just stuck in one academic department. It's so true, and I think like just to I I feel really lucky in the sense that Paul Smith's like our college has stood behind everything that Eric and I are doing. So if we're like we want to do this, you know, it's like they're in terms of the trip, you know, in terms of risk management and all the things behind the scenes, they're very supportive and work with us through that. And specifically around the financial component, they've been really supportive of that too to figure out how to make it as accessible as possible. So I think what Eric just said in terms of having that really rich interdisciplinary experience with culinary students and the you know fisheries and wildlife students side by side you know it's it's been really fascinating the one i just want to give a brief story this is funny about um i had i didn't anticipate so again we learn as we go i didn't anticipate for some of the anxieties i understood the flying side i was like prepped for that i was like i can help anyone on the flight like i got this what I didn't anticipate was the withdrawal from social media. So a lot of the students can't afford to pay for the international plans. I can't even afford to pay for it. It's so expensive. So the idea is when they get there, I wasn't prepared to deal with that withdrawal. So when I started to see like, what's up with the students? Like, what's going on? And I didn't realize like we're in remote areas and they don't have access to Wi-Fi. They don't have access to, you know, contacting their friends, family, seeing what's up on social media that's an enormous withdrawal. So you're, you're dealing with the stage of withdrawal. And it was, I was oblivious. Like, I'm sitting there, you know, drinking coffee after dinner and being like, what's wrong with everyone? And like happy as a clam and not recognizing that that's something from a, you know, a, a you know, just again, leading a, a perspective, leading these students and helping them identify that. So we turned it into a learning experience. Like, what are you feeling? Like, let's talk about this. And so I think each of those moments where there's, where those kind of weird unexpected things that we didn't see came up, we would do our best to turn it into a learning experience. And it doesn't always go as we planned, but like it's, I think that one did, you know, and it was, we talked about, you know, do you feel, you know, that you are like constantly tethered to your phone? You know, what does that feel like to be untied from that? And like, you know, how can that change your experience on this trip? And, and just kind of unpacking that with them. And it, it was a very interesting experience because it also affected you know, as we're going through like the project, like we always would have to check in with them about that. So again, it's something generationally specific, um, but also trip specific. And so we kind of now have changed the trip and, and front loaded it with that to say, like, just expect this, you know, we will only have Wi-Fi in certain areas. We only have, you know, access to this and that. So I think, you know, again, dealing with 
the the reality of like the personal side of things that come up in this experience, but also helping them build the professional, you know, uh, confidence that they can to present in front of a UNESCO site. So it's like you're get balancing both. And so what's cool is that doing this with a partner, like having Eric there in the moments where I'm taking care of the person that's having the meltdown about not being able to access the phone, you know, Eric could be, you know, uh, prepping them for the presentation. Do you know what I mean? So it's like, we're in both places. I, I couldn't do this alone. Like I absolutely couldn't, you know, it's just, it works because there's somebody to kind of pick up and, and, you know, help in both areas. But I think the other thing too, in terms of like thinking about this going forward and growing, you know, we had, um, you know, as Eric mentioned in the beginning, we expanded this to other areas. And that's also been interesting and challenging for Eric and I, because we also have to be mindful from a leadership perspective. We have to learn a lot about these areas too, without sometimes having the, the comfort of being on the ground there. So it's like, you're learning about it, like filtered through other people. And so in terms of developing solutions, we're always kind of checking in with each other, you know, even before we introduce the, um, uh, this concept to the students, you know, are we getting this right? Like, is this, you know, does this seem like it fits for this particular community? So it's a, it's another challenge that, you know, the students face because it's a new area, but also that we face too, in terms of kind of redeveloping this each time we, we run it. I love that you all focus so much on, and you're, I guess it's kind of a learning organization that has resulted in y'all focusing so much on making sure you're setting up clear expectations for what they're going to experience, what students are going to experience when they, when you take them abroad and some of those challenges associated with socializing in a remote location. And I think that that kind of uh, blends into, I want, I want to speak to something that, that Eric brought up about, you shared some of your background with the qualitative research and how that, how you can use that to to kind of infuse into the curriculum to help students to become more comfortable connecting with some of the individuals that they're going to meet in these when they go abroad. And, and I, gosh, I remember two semesters of qualitative methods with Valerie Janicek over at University of South Florida when I was a doctoral student. And she was not just teaching us how to like record and analyze qualitative research. It was every, it was how to do qualitative research, like building rapport with the person you're interviewing, how to do a focus group, all of the intricacies and details of things that I would never, ever have thought of that were a part of that process of, of collecting that data and really helping us to understand those distinctions between, <laughs> she was just absolutely not a quant person. Um, not that she didn't understand quant research, but if you want to get an epistemological debate with her about uh, quant and qual, then you, you better come armed and ready um, because she was a force to be reckoned with. And just, I learned so much about that. And, and I love how you're connecting it to the, to the meaning making and, and, you know, and the sense making around, around their experiences and how to cr critically reflect on that. And it's so important because then, then they can bring that. How would, else would, might you prepare a student to be comfortable talking with some of these partners that you've um, had these opportunities to, to make these connections with for these student experiences. And I think that's just a great way to, uh, to that speaks to the interdisciplinarity of the work, the work that, that y'all are doing. And so I guess, I guess that leads me to a question I'm curious about, how do you find some of these partners in these remote locations? You know, my, my head went immediately an episode of like Stanley Tucci that I saw in the last year where he's in this former Italian Jewish ghetto and they're eating fried artichokes because that's what these folks used to eat because they weren't, they didn't have access to certain foods because they were sent back to their ghettos, um, you know, because of the, the way the culture was in like 16th century Italy. And, and, and they, he just happens to know this person that 
works in this area and has been 14 generations of folks making fried artichokes and it's like the best thing he's ever eaten then you're like all right how do you how do you find these partners to connect with so that students have these memorable learning experiences that connect to these learning outcomes that that y'all have uh, infused into the program oh, that, that's a great question uh, and, and i think you 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 know that's what we're hoping to establish uh and kind of give these students or those those memories that that were time freezes you know you you had that second hand watching stanley tucci but our students hopefully have had those memories of being in the vineyard in the olive grove up in the mountains uh, away from commercialized tourism or in this case for for stanley tucci that could have been in rome uh in the in the ghetto in uh, the, the jewish ghetto which is very close to uh, mass tourism destinations but I think, you know, that's what we're going, that's what we're looking to connect students with are those, those stories, those life-changing sort of uh, uh, um, episodes and uh, uh, vignettes that will stay with them for the long time, long term, long after our qualitative methods, uh, uh, you know, sort of a crash course has, has faded in their memory. The reason that it, it works for us in Italy, for one thing, is that as a generalization, many, many, many communities that we've run into um, all across Italy, they're oriented to doing this. It's a tourism dominated country and they're they're really wonderful with hospitality and telling their story and inviting you in and they get, make you know that feeling of warmth that uh, you're describing. You know so that is not a foreign language to most of the folks that we run into. Uh, sure, there are some little corners where people are not as interested in talking to tourists, especially American tourists. But uh, I think over, overall, overall, we're finding that people are very, very willing to uh, show you what they're proud of, show you these, these uh, you know, centuries, if not millennia of traditions that are behind the product that you're eating. You know, so it's a very rich landscape in that regard. And I think the, the other uh, sort of avenue in is that we've had a, a collaborator uh, for, well, I guess it's been since 2014, who is a, uh, uh, a Marco Polo Tours is a he's a from the Parma region. This is his home area. He knows the people. He knows all the people in the villages. So he is our sort of our one of our important entry points into these communities. So having someone that you collaborate with uh, regularly year after year who wants to show you the best of their of their home region, uh, we found is crucial. And then we've made actual friendships with people who are uh, members of these park staffs these national park staffs who also show us you know where they live they show us where their grandmother lives They're, they tell us about when they're, they're you know their their new baby who came in uh and the, the school program that uh, that they're working on so um it's being open to friendships i, I think and and really the the fact that these uh, collaborators are willing to include us in their world so i think those are a few answers i don't know kelly if any other insights yeah, it's spot on. I think Marco Polo, like in terms of how we found them, Dan, like like Eric said, they've been a critical part to establishing the in-country partnership. So Marco Polo, even though um, he's from Parma, he's based in New York. So um, again, he's helped us make the connections. Another way that we've helped establish such deep, long, uh, long-term partnerships um, is through the UNESCO program. So they're the vehicle for all of this, right? So that's the commonality that we see in a lot of these destinations is the UNESCO Biosphere Reserve. So they have a lot of similar issues, right? Similar rural sustainable development issues, such as aging populations, um, loss of workforce, um, rising housing costs. And so 
Um, and we just, we happen to work with mountainous regions too, like Eric had mentioned. So a lot of these are beautiful, rural, bucolic um, mountain landscapes that people would die to go to, but a lot of them don't know about. And so um, Marco Polo has been key. We actually have another partnership um, that was fairly recent. We established it in 2019 with Dolomiti Learning. It's, they're based in the Dolomites in Northern Italy. Um, and same thing, it's uh, Yuri Batura from there and his wife, Manola, who run it, um, are actually academics. They studied in the US, they're you know, you know, fluent in both, and so is Marco Polo. Um, but they've been incredible partners too in helping us make partnerships on the ground. And they're equally as committed and engaged I think the key part for me, again, I come from a communication background. I don't think I mentioned, but both of my, my undergraduate and my master's degrees are in communications. Um, so that's why Eric was mentioning, you know, it was, it's communication is always super important to me. So in establishing these partnerships for us, that's, you know, critical. Like it's, you know, it's so much as lost as you can imagine in translation. And so we've really lucked out with Marco Polo and Dolomiti Learning and our UNESCO partners, you know, on the ground that they stay in communication. We talk to them all the time. And it's even when we're not, you know, running a trip last year, we obviously couldn't run the trip because of COVID. So we organ organized this. I, I actually think it was a really, um, it, uh, I, a wonderful experience. We did a virtual study abroad and, you know, on the, when Eric and I were planning, we're like, what is this going to look like? But I have to say some of the um, sessions we had, I think were more dynamic than if it was on the ground. I mean, we had the students sharing, you know, we had them do tours of their main street to show like their community and vice versa. We just, we were, you know, we kind of thought outside the box. So I, and, and the in the ground, our, our in-country partners, Dolomiti Learning had helped design those innovative experiences. So where we find them, I would say is the vehicle through UNESCO also, the, the tour operators are, are kind of eyes and ears to help with that and to facilitate that consistent, um, really clear communication. So, um, and it, it always doesn't work perfectly. We've learned over the years how to get better. And the longer that we work with each of these partners, it, it does improve over time. And so, um, yeah, so I, I think that's how, that's how we find them. But UNESCO has been a, a key part to it too. I love how y'all speak so lovingly about your partners. Like, you know, y'all have said their, their friendships and they've shown us our per this personal side. Um, so in my dissertation, I'm looking at, you know, the faculty experience of faculty student interaction, because we know that these positive experiences um, help to continue to foster positive experiences, which lead to positive learning spaces for the students. So I love that it's it's not just we do this to provide this for the students, but we, you as faculty, also so benefit from that experience. Um, I also chuckle because Eric, you talked about your recreation background, and I'm a recreation program graduate from a tourism and hospitality management school. So I, I feel like, and, and I feel like my student affairs comrade, like partners, Dan and I talk about this all day, but like if you've kind of worked in student activities, like you can plan anything. And I feel like if you've worked in outdoor education, you can plan any leadership program there is. And so it, it feels like all of those super valuable skills um, are, are continuing to serve you, even though, you know, it may be a few years since you've been in like that undergrad learning space. And, and so I love it. Um, the other thing is this, the, we talk a lot about the knowledge, but the skills of being able to converse with someone from a different culture is such a prevalent thread that I don't know that we pay enough like crucial attention to at every level. So I'm fortunate here at Temple, I work with the dental school on a leadership uh, seminar. So it's usually uh, over the summer when students in the dental program are still very much, um, you know, at taking full, uh, full loads or full class loads. 
And so we meet with them on Saturdays in the summer. And one of the things that was so important that came out of this summer was the dental students really wanting to know more about interpersonal communication. So I had a student share that, you know, they work with, so at our dental school, they have a free clinic where people from the neighborhood who are typically low income, don't have health insurance, don't have dental insurance, don't have a lot of money, can come in and get free or low cost services. And one of the students, her natural inclination in, in her natural reaction to like meeting this uh, patient, she says, oh, hi, how you doing? You know, hey, so where, where have you been lately? Have you, you know, traveled anywhere? Cool. Just trying to make conversation, not realizing the person had never been off their block and had only been within a three or four block radius. And she was just floored and didn't know what to do. And, and, you know, kind of felt like a jerk. And I was like, well, no, don't judge yourself, but you know, but it's something important to remember that in trying to find commonalities, like you have to think about the, the cultures and the spaces that you're in. And part of your job is to learn about those cultures and those spaces. And, you know, and, and I said, you know, again, don't criticize, like, don't be harsh, but just in moving forward, kind of what's the lesson. And I feel like as you're taking students to these other places, it's really teaching them how to find those commonalities. And those are skills that they're going to need for the rest of their lives. And again, I don't know that we really talk about that enough. I think we, we mention it, but I feel like this program really is pushed driving that home. Um, I also love the teaching partnership y'all have. It seems like you have a good relationship with each other where you can challenge and grow the program um, so that it's really, really cool. The best thing um, of traveling abroad with Eric, if you're ever riding in a car with him, like he'll sit in a car meet somebody like for the first time. And by the end of the car ride, if we're driving in the mountains for like an hour, he'll know their family, their dog's name, the, you know, <laughs> where, like where they've worked, where they study and he remembers it. So like in terms of like, he's just great in terms of like digging deep into those, you know, kind of off the record conversations that actually help give context to the rest of what we're studying. So I always joke with the students, I'm like, Eric's probably sitting in the front, but listen to what he's saying, because it's, it's going to help later on to understand the rest of, you know, you learn about, you know, the tour the the van driver, you know, how that's different from the person that you're interviewing in the street or, you know, it's just, yeah, it's a really valuable thing. So, yeah, we do have a, a good dynamic. And it's like I said, I think the important thing for us is that. It, these are exhausting, right? These are not, this is not an easy thing for either of us. Like if you're on the ground for a three week trip, like you need a time out. Like sometimes you need. And so what's nice is that Eric can say like, I'm tired. Or I can say like, I can't do it tonight, you know, or I need, you know, I need some help here. And so, you know, having that ability to kind of, um, you know, tap out when you need to and, and get support when you need to, I think is really important. And back to what we were saying about the assessment piece being able to reflect on this experience and kind of improve as we go, I think, again, is, is super valuable doing it together, you know, just kind of reflecting, bouncing off each other, doing it together. So, yeah, just one quick comment on, on our dynamic. I think, uh, of course, some of the our, our highest performance is fueled by that essential Italian nutrient of coffee um, and uh, liberal amounts of coffee uh, it can really, you know, uh, uh, give your conversation wings. But um, I also wanted to point out, I think, Lauren, you made me think about how the students are also navigating, you're talking about your dental students, you know, sort of communicating with people of different backgrounds. The students are navigating their Americanness too, when we go abroad. And, um, and also the expectations that other people have of Americans. And, you know, so Americans and what we represent, uh, it's, it's a, it's a, 
it's a very complex sort of mixture of 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 hope and optimism, but also privilege and uh, naivety. And um, you know, so what we're trying to do, and this is a sort of a, a cliche to some extent in this in this industry, is we're trying to you know trying to make them into into really outward reflective uh, travelers rather than just tourists. You know, sort of they're they're doing deep travel here. And that means that they have to understand that they may be bringing their American expectations of service, uh, connectivity, uh, cleanliness, um, electricity, access, showers, and um, and they get what they get, you know. And the farther we can get up into the countryside and where we see how people actually live and the standards are different, their expectations are different. Dinners last from, you know, seven until 11. And, you know, you got to sit down and there are many courses and there's a lot of conversation and there's little you know, glasses of wine and you sip the wine and you're there all evening. So, you know, for, for a lot of them, that drives them up a wall, you know, wait, dinner's at five. So, um, so exploding their notions of time and slowing down, but yet extending, uh, you know, that's, that's, that's really, I think, some of the key learnings for our students. Um, you know, they can't just get, have it their way all the time. And then also there are more, you know, it, it, it's so much better to, to, to learn about culture and community from their perspective than it is from, you know, uh, from an, an American perspective. So we're hoping to, uh, to help them navigate that difference. Definitely. No, I love just there's so many elements of, of how immersive and how experiential this uh, this experience is. Uh, wow. You, you all have shared so much with us and, and we're, we're so grateful for for your time. I wish we could we could continue the, the conversation because there's so much more I want to learn about about these programs. Kelly and Eric, thank you so much for, for joining us today. We're, we're so, again, grateful for your time, your your leadership. We want to wish you the best of luck as you continue to involve students in this amazing uh, international study abroad program. Thank you so much for having us. It was such a pleasure. And if anyone is interested in learning more, you can certainly contact Eric and I, um, and we're happy to, if there's other educators that are interested or students that potentially want to participate in the trip, we are certainly open to other students and you know educators that want to connect with us. We're always looking for opportunities to expand and innovate. So um, we'll give Lauren and, and Dan the, our contact and we look forward to connecting. So thank you again so much, Dan and Lauren. It was a pleasure. And uh, from my perspective, so happy to have spent this time with you and to learn about your great podcast. Uh, I'm sure there's so much more there for me to dig into. So, so thank you. And, and uh, hopefully we'll see each other uh, at some point in the real world. Y'all are welcome. We'll happily be chaperones. <laughs> <laughs> Sounds perfect. Thank you so much for listening to this episode of the Leadership Educator Podcast. Remember, you can download all our episodes on all available podcast platforms. And when you go, please make sure you rate us five stars, as the more you rate us, the easier it is for others to find us. That's right, Lauren. We also invite you to interact with us on Twitter at Lead Educator Pod. That's L-E-A-D-E-D-U-C-A-T-O-R-P-O-D. And on LinkedIn by searching for the Leadership Educator Podcast. You can also follow us on LinkedIn by name. And on Twitter, I'm at Dr. Underscore Leadership. And Lauren is at M-R-S-L-A-U-R-J-B. That's Miss Laura J-B. We'd like to thank the James M. Cox Jr. Institute for Journalism Innovation, Management, and Leadership within the Grady College of Journalism and Mass Communication at the University of Georgia. The support was facilitated by Dr. Keith Herndon, William S. Morris Chair in News Strategy and Management.
And a wonderful theme music was composed, performed, and mixed by Dr. Matthew White, trumpeter, composer, and associate professor and chair of jazz studies now at the University of South Carolina. You can check him out at www.mattwhitejazz.com. Matt, thank you so much for sharing your musical genius with our listeners. During the season, you will hear episodes featuring International Leadership Association members working globally to drive leadership education. Visit ilaglobalnetwork.org slash podcast for more information and to join the association. And finally, this podcast would not be possible without our chief partner, the Association of Leadership Educators. Please check out the ALE and all it has to offer at leadershipeducators.org. We hope you will listen to our next episode wherever you get your podcasts. Thank you.